Sorry, it's been a while. That's what she said. <laughs> Look at this, world's best boss. It was given to me by my underlings. Oh, I thought you bought that yourself. No, my underlings gave it. And they also gave me a Dundee. Very handy. Very, You know, it's a, it's a really, really big award. It's handy for this moment right now and for another <laughs> I I it's it's just really a really you know an honorable thing to get a Dundee and and to get a, a mug that says world's best boss I mean it is it's like winning a Nobel Peace Prize for me at this point yeah yeah bring everything to scale you know yeah well <laughs> I mean since the last episode a lot has happened we've been interning at our respective internships it's been great for me how about you it's been great but just so so busy um look out for an msl tv episode coming up i'm editing it right now it's like, like a day in the life thing um but it spans like multiple weeks because there's just so much going on um but yeah we still have time to make a podcast episode and i mean you did fly over to the motherland you went to the good old continent i did i didn't go to my estonian roots um, I went to Portugal and Spain because my uncle lives in Spain, um, but I'm not Spanish, although everyone thought I spoke Spanish, which was a huge compliment, um, but I didn't have to hold Google Translate up literally anywhere I went, but I loved it. It was great. Um, blurry memories there. Went surfing, a lot of soccer or football, whatever. I went to a few of the, I went to the official store. Well, I you saw what I said. It was like, yes, I went in there just because I knew Mark and wanted to see what it looked like. So a lot of people are super into that. It was kind of playing everywhere, but I also couldn't understand what they were saying. So I have no idea if there were protests going on. I was kind of taking my little camera, walking around eating ice cream. I was not really like I went to like five McDonald's though, and I tried every single new item on the menu. It was so good. And everything was so cheap. So. And I mean, but sports did go with you. I was surfing. Surfing, I low-key, like if I live by the coast, well, more so by a coast that had waves and not just trash, which is the coast that I'm on. Um, I would definitely surf more. It was sick. I wasn't that good at it, but I got the board. So I think one day I'll, I'll invest in something like that. We were trying surfing. Yeah, I have actually in Costa Rica. I was going to say, you live in like Miami, but the waves aren't big in Miami, right? No, the Caribbean is not as good as the Pacific in, in that sense. Um, El Salvador has really good surfing. I think they, they do like big competitions there. It's it's like, it's a cool sport. I've seen some videos in Portugal of people just like surfing on those like giant like tsunami-like waves. It's Yeah. It's fun. I was not doing that, but yeah, how your internship has been fun, right? Yeah, it's it's been great, but you know what's also been great? Uh, watching sports on TV. Woo! So, um, what's going on, on on Wimbledon at the moment? Wimbledon, I know so much about Wimbledon. In the women's tournament, Ons Jeber beat... Arena Sabalenka in the semifinals. Marketa Vandrusova 
beat Elena Svitolina. The set up, that's quite her name. The set up the interesting final that will take place tomorrow, Saturday the 15th. And then Carlos Alcaraz, I thought it said Alcatraz, so I was gonna be like, that's coincidence, is going to play Daniil Medvedev, while Djokovic will play the Italian Jacob Sinner. The semifinal. So a lot of, a lot of, uh, ethnicities going on here. Yeah, I mean, Jabour, Anz Jabour, uh, she's from Tunis- Tunisia. I'm saying I have no idea where that name, like, probably. Yeah. Area. Like, I follow soccer to the extent that I kind of, like, know how, like, where last names are from to a certain degree. I know that a bunch of, you know, Moroccan and Tunisian last names and then, uh, like, or sounds. So... That was that, like that's the first impression. Then I looked it up, and she's actually Tunisian, so it's it's a coincidence. I think not. Um, you're just so knowledgeable about the world market. You're so a Renaissance man. I'm honestly, I'm I'm a I'm a Renaissance man thanks to um my amazing uh network. Because as you know, how they say, your network is your net worth, and uh, yeah, like it. I just. I've just stuck with so many Uber drivers and they've taught me everything I know in life. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, Uber conversations are like therapy to me. <laughs> I think that's like one of the saddest things I've heard. <laughs> um, and then, you know, in soccer, um, my, my favorite sport, most, most tournaments are not happening right now. A lot of players are on vacation. Um, but the U21 Euros uh, did take place recently. England beat Spain in the final 1-0 after um, the goalkeeper from England, James Trafford, saved the last-minute penalty and a rebound by Abel Ruiz from Spain. Um, England featured a squad that was worth 425 million euros, which is extremely high considering all these guys are under the age of 21. And they went on to win six, like the six out of six games without conceding a single goal. So, you know, congrats to the British people. <laughs> no. Um, and the women's World Cup. I'm gonna let the women in the room cover it. Assuming, just kidding. <laughs> I'm so obviously, yeah. But watch out for the women's World Cup coming next week. Um, the current TV right holders in the U.S. are Fox, so you have to follow them, which is interesting. I guess they just monopolized that. Disclaimer, we're not sponsored by Fox. We're just nice. Um, if you're into betting, not that we recommend it. Um, here are the top five favorites to win the tournament. I won't lie. I should have been into support betting when I predicted the World Cup win, um, like a few months ago. I wish I bet money on that because nobody believed me. And this channel and Spotify is witness to that. Anyway, here are the top five favorites to win the tournament. United States. What are these numbers? 225? So the plus 225 means uh, if you bet $100, you had $225 back. Oh. So that's how like betting odds work. So. Um, oh, right. Yeah. You get two and twenty-five bucks if you guys one. Yeah. Okay. And you bet a hundred. Right. 
All right, England is 375, Germany is 650, Spain is 700, and France is 800. That's wild. This is like stocks, but for people that like didn't go to business school. But, oh, people who went, this is like for stocks for sport management majors, actually. The best of both. But if you have a magic lamp and wish to make money, put your money on Philippines and wish that they win the whole thing with their plus 100,000 odds. Yeah, so if you bet $100 on Philippines and Philippines somehow miraculously wins the, win the Women's World Cup, you get $100,000. So That's insane, dude. You guys should get into this. Um, well, you know they're the you know why the odds are so big is because they're the unlikeliest to, like to win. Yeah, but once in a while they're the underdog. Anyway, <laughs> all these stats are according to sportline.com. And some key transfers are Sergey Milan Milankovic Savic to Al Halal for 40 million euros and 25 million per year. So these are transfers in the men's soccer game, by the way. Um oh. I can't even tell because the names are just so unique. I like don't even know what I did. Sergey, yeah, he's he's Serbian. <laughs> okay, but that means it out loud. It's obviously a guy's name. <laughs> and then, Area Arda, Ar Arda Guler. So, Snubs. Yeah, he's now Barcelona to join Real Madrid at 18 years of age. Oh, I thought you were saying that like how the whole name was Arda Guler Snubs Barga. <laughs> oh, snaps Barca. He's he's eighteen. He had like everything agreed with Barca, and then Real Madrid came knocking, and then he just like dipped. I see. For Real Madrid. Okay. Yeah. Well, what can you do? Probably the biggest decision of his life. But what can you do? Yeah. Um, Christian Pulisic. He's American. Really. Yeah, Pulisic is American. I mean, I guess all Americans are or eventually like have those names, like Europeans. Um, he went from Chelsea to AC Milan for thirty million euros. Um, he is not playing in the Gold Cup for the U.S. The U.S. lost one nil to oh, they lost in penalties to Panama um, in the semifinals of the Gold Cup, and then Mexico beat Jamaica three nil, and now they're gonna play the final Mexico versus Panama. Um, but yeah, it was a weekend U.S. team. They didn't have a lot of their talent that plays in Europe. And then like Jude Bellingham completed a 103 million euro transfer to Real Madrid from Borussia Dortmund. Probably one of the best midfielders in the world at the moment. Really young, a lot of potential. And then Mason Mount um, left Chelsea for Man United for 64 million. Um, Sandro Tonali was forced by Milan to leave because they needed the money. And he went to Newcastle for $64 million. And Lucas Hernandez was sold by Bayern Munich for $50 million. And then they're going to reinvest $50 million um, that they got from PSG for Lucas Hernandez. They're going to invest it in Kim Min-jae from Napoli. He's Korean. South Korean, by the way, given that there's two Koreas nowadays. Not like in the old days when I was young. There was only one Korea. And you cannot tell me otherwise. Okay. Um, and Dominic Soboslai um, left Leipzig for Liverpool for 70 million, which is the same fee that Kai Havertz left Chelsea for to join Arsenal. And they're big rivals. That's kind of, that's kind of, you know, a big move and a big rivalry there. 
and the PGA Live Golf Hearing. What about that, Amalia? Yeah, so isn't that crazy? I've been low-key invested in this more than other things because like I've heard about it more than other things, but on Tuesday, July 11th, the Senate Homeland Security Committee's Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations held a three-hour hearing on the LIV Live Golf PJ merger that was agreed a month ago. Um, basically, the Department of Justice is also investigating the merger with an interest of using antitrust law to assess the threat a merger represents to maintain a competitive landscape. And there are bipartisan concerns regarding the increased Saudi influence deal if it goes through and accusations of sport washing persists amid human rights abuses in Saudi Arabia. This whole thing is just crazy. I was talking about this earlier about how sports are basically just like a chess piece for politics. And this this really is the greatest example of that. Like how a country thinks that they can avoid this kind of um, controversy and all the things they're doing by just being successful in their sport. It's very similarly shown in North Korea and Russia. And yeah, it's just kind of crazy. Yeah, and the Saudis are not just doing it with golf. They're hosting UFC. They're hosting a bunch of um, combat sports. They're also hosting Formula One now. They're hosting um, a lot of soccer games, like exhibition soccer games. And now they've bought a bunch of famous players like Cristiano Ronaldo. A bunch of players from Europe have moved to Saudi Arabia for crazy salaries. So they're and they bu- they've bought soccer teams in Europe. So they've invested like crazy to kind of like clean their image through sport. So. You know what, like sports washing is terrible, but I think that they're doing a decent job at it at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's as bad as it can be. Like they they've actually like invested well in terms of sport. Yeah, um definitely. and then in the Formula One, the British Grand Prix at Silverstone took place last weekend. Um usual winner was Max Verstappen. He took first place and last and, and fastest lap points. This is his 43rd total Grand Prix of his career and sixth in a row um and eighth of the year so red bull has won all 11 races this year um, wow. yeah it's dominance and while Verstappen has been busy you know lifting trophies his teammate checo perez has struggled to perform um he did not make it out of the third qualifying round for a fifth race in a row so when qualifying to get the positions to start in for the race, he's been starting below 15th position for five races in a row, which is terrible given that they have the best car. And the biggest surprise of the race um, came from McLaren, which started the race with their two drivers, Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri, mm-hmm. uh, in second and third positions. And Lando finished second and Piastri fourth with Lewis Hamilton in between. And the big announcement was that Daniel Ricardo, um, who's Red Bull's third driver, is going to join Alpha Tauri in place of Nick DeVries, who has been kicked out and replaced by Ricardo. And there are rumors that uh, Daniel Ricardo is going to replace Checo Perez in Red Bull. Right. I'm... Red Bull is, like, totally just... Not monopolizing everything, but it's just so successful. Like, even at my climate gym where I work, we have to play Red Bull TV, like... I don't know if it's anyway related, but we have like a partnership with them where that's all we could play. And it's just kind of crazy. Like, it's cool. I love you, love the Red Bull stuff that's going on, but dang, like, 
If you don't place your bets on that, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, if you, like you watch all the extreme sports Red Bulls there. It's either Monster or Red Bull, but mostly Red Bull. Um, they have soccer teams. They've got a Formula One team. They have their own esports teams. So Red Bull's such a huge brand at the moment. Dude, the only monster ad I've seen is that one ad in Eisenberg by the cafe that says like win a monster backpack and then you go to the QR code and it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so on Red Bull, I think in my mind it's a lot better than Monster, but yeah. Yeah, it's I think they're they're bossing the strategy game. Although Monster Dust tastes better, in my opinion. Yeah, it does time and place. Monster will if you are up late and you literally need to stay up, Monster will get you shaking but red bull is kind of just like a little 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 bit of energy it's not as crazy as monster have you tried celsius though i have but i'm not i like the the stronger flavor in red bull and monster you know like i want to taste the the energy molecules like physically going into me so that activates like celsius i feel like it's just seltzer and I'm like, okay, like it could have energy in it, but I want to taste the chemicals. What do you mean it could have energy? There's like 200 grams of caffeine in, in each Celsius. I don't taste it. Like I want to taste it. <laughs> like in coffee, like the whole point is like, you like the taste, but you also know that it's like, you know, getting you going. With Celsius, I'm like, okay, it could. Yeah, but... so what I hear is like, some people say caffeine is a drug. You really want to like feel the effects of the drug a lot. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I won't lie. Well, guys, um, today, now that we concluded the recap, today we're going to be hosting Audrey Johnson. She's a professional parkour athlete. She really is. She said she wants to go pro, but I am a nine. She's already pro. So, yeah, I knew her a little bit when we used to do a climbing camp together. Um, but I've just been following her all this time. And the, when I thought of parkour, the first person I thought of was her. Because I was like, oh my god, I've seen her this whole time just like grow into the sport. So she is really cool. And um, she is on an ES- ESPN show. And she just went to the World Cup parkour. So she's kind of big um, up and coming. So yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to get, because of the, the amazing editing skills that we have here, it's just going to be a mm-hmm. slick transition from now to the interview. But thanks for joining us for this podcast and enjoy the interview. See ya. Yeah. It's awesome how like you you actually end up being connected to the climbing competitions. And I mean, I, I saw your Instagram content. Well, I was like, Amala told me that we were going to have you on the podcast. I was looking through your content. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. <is> amazing. <laughs> thanks. So- it's, yeah, I feel like it's, um, it's cool that I could get into that from climbing and it, it kind of fed into it, but it was also its own thing. So, yeah, I actually have some questions about that later. Um, so I'm just so interested, like how you switch from like climbing to parkour, vice versa. Um, I guess I should do a quick little intro before we start. Um, it's so cringe. It's like YouTube. Okay. Hey guys, <laughs> so welcome to one of the first summer episodes. Um, Mark and I have been super busy with internships and all that, but I really wanted to do this episode specifically because this is a guest I personally know, and we're going to discuss a topic that I've always been interested in. Um, so Audrey Johnson is an extremely talented athlete, not just in parkour, but also in climbing, which I've personally seen. 
and recently, um, correct me if I'm wrong about this one, but you won silver in the Montpelier World Cup this year. I got it right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, in parkour speed running, among many other things that we'll talk about. So first, I can just start off with some basic questions about the sport for people who have no idea what it is. And some people might even not even consider it a sport. I do. But I know it's like, sometimes there's debates with that. Um, and it only like, it just changes over time. Um, but I guess number one, like what I was saying, how did you transition from climbing into parkour or was it vice versa? Yeah, so I started climbing when I was 13 um, and I did that all the way up until uh, 2020. Um, in 2019, my family moved from the Atlanta area where there were some really big climbing gyms. We moved to Greenville, South Carolina specifically because there weren't any climbing gyms there. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and they, my family wanted to start their own climbing gym, which was really cool. Wow. Um, but that whole business process takes a really long time. So I was kind of stuck without that main uh, athletic avenue that I'd had for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a, happened to be a parkour gym opening up in the area is Parkour Ninja Warrior. Um, and initially I was probably more interested in the Ninja Warrior type thing. Um, Cause that relates over from uh, climbing a lot more directly, I think, with a lot of the upper body stuff. Um, but the community for parkour that I found at that gym was just really strong and really welcoming. And so that's how I started doing parkour, just just going to that gym. Hmm. That's like really cool. Um, I I was gonna ask like, because I don't really see parkour gyms around. Like yeah, obviously climbing gyms are a lot more saturated. Um, uh -huh. I'm wondering if you think that with there being so many climbing gyms opening up, like if parkour gyms will become like a new alleyway that people haven't filled. Like, do you think there'll be the same popularity, or do you think it'll always kind of like just be attached? Because I know some parkour gyms I've been to. I actually used to do it when I was like twelve. I did parkour classes, and it was in this climbing nice. gym. So it was like it was never actually a standalone thing because there wasn't enough attention. But I'm wondering how you think it will evolve now. Yeah, I definitely think that it's growing and that it will continue to grow a lot and be its own thing. Um, yeah, in the past, it has been a lot. There'll be a little parkour set up in a gymnastics gym is something that will happen a lot or sometimes in a climbing gym or a ninja warrior gym. Um, which is, yeah, kind of the setup that uh, I found. But yeah, I think more and more it's becoming its own thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've seen like videos of parkour. I've never done parkour myself. I've tried rock climbing as like for fun in certain places. Are there many transferable skills that you had from rock climbing that then you, you when you got into parkour, you were like, okay, I'm not starting from zero. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if they're super obviously transferable, but um, just the body awareness that I have from climbing, I think helped a lot. And in climbing, um, I was always interested in the kind of dynamic boulders that we call like parkour boulders, basically. 
Um, so having a little bit of experience in that uh, helped me be confident to start like jumping around in parkour. And then once I started doing the actual parkour, I definitely noticed that side of my climbing improve a lot too. So they definitely kind of fed into each other, even though it might not be super obvious. Um, I did also do uh, some gymnastics when I was really little, and that definitely uh, helped when I started getting into parkour. A lot of that stuff came back a lot faster because of that. Hmm. Yeah, I've noticed, I mean, usually people, like, I feel like kids that are always interested in that, like, you'll just never not be interested. Like, once you, like, start it, you just can't transition to, like, like, for example, I can't do ball sports. I'm horrible at that. But everything else, <laughs> you know. Um, so I feel like you're the same way. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Um, so I hate to ask this because everyone asks me this, in us in climbing, and it's so, you know, repetitive. But, like, how do you compete in parkour? Because I know it's speed running. I'm going to ask, like, is it a speed thing? Because that's, like, the big climbing question everyone asks. Um, this is a joke, but... I know there's also like specific obstacles or just like a skill thing. Like, can you do it? Like, is that right? Or just yeah. yeah, there's a lot of um, kind of controversy with that a little bit right now with a lot of different formats popping up and stuff. It's not quite as developed as climbing is yet, I think. But um, the main competitions that you'll see are speed, skill and style. Um, speed is the more traditional parkour. It's point A to point B as efficiently as possible, as fast as possible. So it's climbing over walls, going under things. Um, they'll have like checkpoints that you have to get to to get through the course as fast as possible. Uh, and then skill is a little bit more similar to like a climbing comp where they'll uh, tell you specific challenges on the obstacles. So you have to jump from here to here and then land on this bar or mm -hmm. different things like that, where it's almost like a boulder problem. Um, and then style competitions are uh, being as creative as possible in your environment. So that's where you'll see, um, I guess a lot of the stuff that I post is more style kind of stuff where you'll see people doing flips um, in the area and just really trying to flow through the area in a really creative way right yeah and um a question so how has like parkour as a sport evolved like since you joined it has it been going more global is it one of you know the trending sports in, in you know in the extreme sport world yeah I think it definitely has grown even since when I've been into it, it's only been like three-ish years that I've really been doing it. Um, but it could be a lot of, of me just learning about these competitions, but it feels like it's growing a lot. Um, so I recently just learned about the, the international circuit. Um, in the US, we don't have a great pipeline to get onto the international circuit yet. It's a lot bigger uh, in Europe right now. Um, so right now in the US, there's like two or three different little leagues that'll have small competitions. But if you wanna get involved in the international ones, it was more of just kind of knowing the right people and like sending them a video of what I can do. 
and they kind of just put me on the team. So it's a little bit unorganized right now, and I, I want to see that get better organized um, in the U.S. so that more people can get involved. That's uh, yeah, because really I mean, it's definitely a plus for you that it's kind of like not as developed because you get to kind of like throw yourself in there and people know you like really soon. So right. in time, it could be like a, a sweet thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was doing some research and what are your thoughts on parkour being in the Olympics? Because some like hardcore, like OGs are like, uh, they, they don't want anything to do with that because I feel like it's kind of against like what parkour is all about. But do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it it definitely is like a controversial thing in the community right now. Um, I guess it's the people who see parkour as like that style side, they see it as just a self-expression kind of thing. And they don't really want there to be that rule set, especially like a lot of the people who are trying to make uh, parkour more international and maybe eventually Olympic are like the gymnastics governing bodies and parkour people really don't like being uh, compared to gymnastics they really a lot of parkour people came from a gymnastics background and got out of it because of how rigorous and strict um, all the rules are in gymnastics so they don't want that same um, culture kind of taking over parkour so I feel like that's the side that's against it um but personally, I would really like to see it get more, um, what's the word? Yeah, more developed, like uh, for more international competitions. I guess the tricky thing is that at some point they do have to decide on rules and that's something that parkour people really don't like to do. <laughs> but um, with sports like skateboarding and BMX, like becoming Olympic sports, I feel like there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, that gives me hope that that parkour could do that. Hmm. Wow. And um, the thing about parkour is it's extremely demanding in terms of you know being really flexible, being really fast, having all these skills. But you know I've watched your content and there's so many wins there. There's so many like successful um, stunts, but. Um, how how are the injuries from parkour? Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's another side of it. Thankfully, I haven't personally uh, seen or experienced too many. It definitely seems like the kind of thing that you would be getting injured all the time because um, like in gymnastics, you're using mats all the time. In parkour, the standard is to do it on concrete. Like that's what we're training these flips to do is to eventually do them outside and do them like in a city when you find a random wall to be able to <laughs> to just do a trick. Um, so it definitely sounds more dangerous, but um, I think that that's something that's kind of cool about parkour is that there is a big focus on safety because you're going to be doing it um, in these, like on concrete. So we're always um, learning like falls, learning how to fall, safely we call it yukimi i think it's a, a japanese um term for for being able to fall really safely like when you're not expecting it so it's definitely something that we focus on a lot um 
to mitigate the risks. Yeah, I was wondering about that because, well, I just remember back in like 2012 or whatever when I would see like parkour was like really just trending, but also kind of just like people were making spoofs off it, but it was always training outside. Like now yeah. I'm training in the gym, but is there, I guess I'm just wondering, because it's kind of similar to skateboarding, like you train in the indoor park, but then you like eventually go outside. Is it the same thing or do you like kind of flip flop between both? Yeah, I definitely mainly train in the gym, um, but the the whole culture in the parkour community is that you're training it in the gym to take it outside. Right. You don't really have the trick until you do it on concrete, <laughs> um, which I'm not the hugest fan of. I feel like I I take it to grass most of the time, <laughs> sometimes concrete, but yeah, there's in competition, it's always going to be like hard ground wow that's really intimidating too because I mean even in climbing competitions like it doesn't matter you got mats yeah yeah that's really scary personally I I kind of think that there should be a little bit more um mats and maybe safety measures in parkour competitions this Mm. uh international one in Montpellier that I went to um there were no mats whatsoever, even like in the warm-up area. Um, and their reasoning behind that was that since it's such a new sport, a lot of people are coming from countries where they might not have mats and resources to really learn these tricks. And when they're on this setup at the big parkour event, um, if there are mats, they would be tempted to just throw things that they're not ready for. And they think that might make people more likely to be injured. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I feel like if I had had a mat to, to mentally prepare something, I'm in a different country, you know, do something once or twice with the mat before I do it on hard ground, I might've thrown down a little harder. So mm. I feel like it's a balance there yeah and what was it like at montpellier um meeting people from the parkour community but from all over the world what was it like that was so cool uh i got to meet some of the people that i really look up to um people that i see online doing crazy stuff and they were all so sweet and welcoming that's one of the one of my favorite things about the parkour community is is the community they're they're really really great Um, even at the high level I feel like I love that about climbing too but once you get to the high levels of climbing it can even get a little bit um, more competitive more toxic I mean it depends on who you're talking to but I was really really pleasantly surprised with how amazing everyone was from from all over the world how supportive everyone was I feel like that has a lot to do with how how new the sport is everybody's just there to to support everybody. Um, but yeah, it was it was a really cool experience um, being able to go to France. And it was one of the first comps that I, I really felt like a professional athlete. Like they they treated me like an athlete there. It was it was really cool. That's like just awesome to hear because it's definitely rare to find that, especially because now any sport you can find, people are just trying to like, you know, it quickly turns into at least in climbing, I felt like it's all mostly focused on youth and also gymnastics. All of those things are very youth focused. And as soon as you yeah. like, 
it's like they don't care you know what I mean unless you're yeah. like the top one percent so I'm it's really cool to see that like sports are still emerging that keep that culture of just like okay it's more it's honestly like more focused on the adult because it's not kids it's like more unsafe really to throw these kids into that environment yeah that's really rare yeah, definitely uh there were definitely um I think the girl who got third behind me in the speed run I I believe she's 28 29 wow so they're definitely older competitors um and then some of the younger ones I think the girl who got first I think she's 18 and that's like the younger side of it um so yeah it's a really cool range Hmm. that's just so cool and um I was gonna ask you just mentioned Montpellier Montpellier sorry I'm like I'm the most like American I come from it but I saw you on an ESPN show could you like or maybe I'm misunderstanding what exactly it is you talk a bit more about that in case people are like interested in watching yeah so the ESPN that's world chase tag so that's another uh kind of branch off of parkour that's really interesting and exciting um it's been going for a few years and it's really exploding um, in popularity and it's getting a lot of people into parkour um, and giving a lot of parkour athletes opportunities that they didn't really have before, which is really cool. So yeah, it's it's basically the game of tag, but as a sport, uh, but it really favors parkour athletes because to make it fair and interesting to watch, there's a bunch of obstacles in the way that you're trying to tag the people through. So if you're good at parkour and moving through that environment, you're, you're going to be really good at that. Um, but yeah, it's, you have 20 seconds, one person chasing, one person trying to get away. You get points for your team if you evade, if you get away. Wow, that's so, like, not fun because also super stressful, but it feels like a video game. Like, I'd love to watch that. Um, yeah, you should definitely look it up. It's super fun. Um, I was really excited I got the opportunity to be a part of it. Uh, just this year, they started the women's uh, women's circuit um, wow. for it because they've had it for, I think, like five years or so um, on ESPN, but they, they've never, it's always been an open division. So there's been like one or two girls who would join teams. Um, but yeah, just this year, they started a women's only circuit and I got to be a part of that. That's sick. And you like, you can really, that just shows because like, it would be intimidating if there's no actual women's division for, mm-hmm. like, you know girls just go up and do it but ever since they made just like just saying like oh like women's division it just makes a whole different world it's like oh like I'm not competing against four-year-old guys doing this for forever and I get like you know yep like caught in one second on the track you know what I mean like not I mean obviously the girls can outdo the guys totally but like it just makes it feel a lot more approachable and like I think that's yeah. awesome that'll like increase viewership especially and then just overall attendance of the sport um, yeah it's been really cool because um ever since they opened up the the women's circuit the girls there's been so many more girls just starting to do it hmm. and now from that there's a lot of them who are feeling really confident and they're joining the men's teams and now there's a lot more girls are doing really what like really really well on the men's teams and and keeping up with the guys but yeah it just made it a lot more approachable I think 
And how do you prepare for that? I know other than practicing parkour, you have to prepare like endurance or speed, like sprinting. Yeah, I have started doing a little bit more running and sprinting, which is something I've always kind of hated, <laughs> but it helps a lot for the for the world chase tag for sure. Um, it's only 20 seconds, but you're going like all out for 20 seconds. So uh, definitely having some of that running and sprinting helps. Um, and then the other thing that helps is having access to uh, a quad. Um, that's what we call the, the world chase tag setup. It's kind of like in climbing, having the speed wall, like it's the exact same setup every time. So if you have access to that setup, it's invaluable um, in preparing for those. Um, and they're starting to pop up around the country. Unfortunately, they're really, really expensive right now, but there's one in the Atlanta area. So I've been going down there every once in a while to practice on the on the quad. That's so funny how it parallels completely to just speed climbing. I was thinking yep. about, yeah, wouldn't speed climbing be like the perfect warm-up slash workout for parkour running? Because it's like, maybe not perfect because it's obviously up a wall and not straight, but still, that's just like awesome. Because I know yeah. you're good at speed too. Yeah, was that was one of the things that I was best at in climbing, for yeah. sure. So it's really cool you took like what you were best at and then just like evolved it into this whole other... Like area of your life that's awesome um still working on that but, <laughs> but um definitely that's just awesome to hear and um I guess one of my last questions oh actually this is a fun one um before like the existential crisis one um do you think you would ever consider being a stunt double yeah that's definitely something that I've thought about I feel like a lot of a lot of parkour people take that avenue to, to make uh, money and have it be a career and stuff. So it's definitely something I've considered. Um, I think the part that I would be missing is a lot of the like martial arts and fighting kind of stuff I don't really have experience in, but that's definitely something that I'm looking into. I think it'd be super cool. And a lot of the skills from parkour are definitely like people want that for stunt doubling stuff, so. Yeah, I mean, with, with all the Marvel movies and superhero movies, you see them doing all these stunts. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could definitely be the, the stunt double for Black Widow if if you yeah. get the, the martial arts. Yeah, yeah, just that fighting side I, I need to work on. But I actually have a personal friend um, who was in Wakanda Forever as a stunt double, which was super cool. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of parkour people who do that. So you got the foot in the door with Marvel already. Look at that. Yeah, I already know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Um, my my last, or I guess one of the last questions was related to that. Like, what do you hope to achieve with parkour? Like, is it more just like, because it's so cool, because it can just take you anywhere. And it can also, at the end of the day, just be a self-expression fun thing. So it's like, I guess the question is, do you want to take the avenue of like pro or just see where it goes or is it just not foreseeable right now I definitely am at the point right now where I want to put as much time and energy into going pro in it um as I can uh obviously I still like work um so I can't do it all the time but yeah as much as I can I I feel like I'm in a good time in my life 
to, to really focus on it and try and take it as far as I can um, in competition. And yeah, I, I feel like I'm in a really cool position with a new sport to be able to kind of be one of the um, one of the first uh, people doing this stuff. I feel like I can I can do some new things that nobody's done before if I keep working on it. So yeah, I'm gonna take it as far as I can. And then past that, I feel like it's something that I would want to do in some capacity really for the rest of my life. Um, it's really inspiring at the parkour gym um, that I work at and train at. There's people in there like 60s and 70s who come in and do parkour because it teaches you how to how to balance and how to safely fall down um which are things that you know that, that helps when you're older and it's just really fun and learning new skills so yeah I feel like it's something I'm gonna do for the rest of my life That's and, a oh go ahead oh. Molly. no go go <laughs> um I was gonna say that that's like awesome and it's cool that you have like more than one sport that can do that for you because you always have climbing at the end of the day yeah like, even an even bigger like community so it's just yeah it's just awesome Marco um yeah but I, I think that when you know the effect that parkour has had on you it, it has given you all these opportunities to meet amazing people from all over the world and that, you know climbing is another sport where you can do that but the fact that you found like a sport that's up and coming and you can be a pioneer in it and even, you know, an emerging women's league in, in World Chase Tag. That's also a, like a new opportunity that you're one of the first to be part of it. So, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's an amazing perspective to know that you're being part of history of this upcoming sport. So I think that that really deserves more attention because honestly, the skill set that I've seen from your videos and from parkour in general is so unique it's so extreme and it's something that's worth watching but i wanted to ask you if there's any question that you wish we would have asked you throughout the podcast and how you would have answered that question hmm not is not really anything that comes to mind um yeah I, I really appreciate that i i it's really exciting and i'm excited to see how the sport grows the next few years. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I know it's it's a really hard like whenever we ask people that question, they're like, uh, like it was not prepared because it's such a weird one. But um yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. I mean, we do, and it was really nice catching up with you because I've just been like watching because like I don't know, I wasn't that popular in Stone Summit Camps. Like I was just like the odd one out because I was from New York and like didn't know anyone but I remember always watching you and like everyone I was like oh, this is so cool like I want to climb like them and like older than me so a little bit so I was like oh like so it was just it's just cool to see what you've been doing all this time like always following what you're up to so yeah really well, talk to you. oh wait go ahead no that's no, it. <laughs> yeah. I think Amaya felt that way when she saw me networking at Eisenberg at, like in college she saw me networking and I was like oh my god that's so awesome like I want to network like that yeah totally you weren't the one that approached me <laughs> <laughs> so 
Uh, that's definitely something that I've always struggled with too, with like those big camps and stuff. It was always tough to to find the friend group and stuff, but I think it's really cool to, the group of people that I've found um, in the parkour community has really helped me with my my confidence a lot, um, just in general, so. Yeah, and maybe one day, like, parkour camps will be a thing, and you'll be, like, I don't remember what our coach was saying, that, like, scared me. I could be the, the cloud you. <laughs> yeah, you can be that version for, like, up-and-coming parkour kids, so. Yeah. Wait to, to see what happens. And, you know, I... I want to ask this because I want, you know, our followers to actually get a chance and watch what you're doing. So what are your socials? It's uh, at Audrey Lats, like the back muscles. <laughs> <laughs> I can put it on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, guys, check it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I guess this concludes. I guess I'll stop recording now.